<laughs> um. All right, Corey. I am Corey. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I am Corey. What have you been doing for three years? Oh God, so much. Where do we start? Yeah, this is this is. I don't know, man. Uh, uh three years ago, uh, I needed an an assistant. Is mm. it three years ago? When did Meg yeah. start working with me? Three or four? It might have been four years ago. And um, I just had too much work. Uh, it's important to note now that my my I, I say assistant like there that was never the situation. No, <laughs> this person was never. If anything, you I became was, her assistant. I was their assistant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I hired Meg and uh, Meg Maiden. Meg Maiden. Yeah. Who is now yeah. my uh, co co founder and co owner of our company uh crown studios crwn studios crown, crwn no, oh, snack yeah yeah uh that's uh, have have fun telling everybody that name when you're <laughs> shipping stuff or <laughs> have to give out an email it's crown with no o and they go uh oh okay uh so three or four years ago uh started working with meg and um we started here in portland a uh, workspace artist collective. I don't really know how to describe it. We basically, we had a bit, we needed space to do stuff and we needed a space that, that had, that was a lot of space that we couldn't afford. Mm -hmm. So we thought at the time we work was a thing and we were, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go listen to the podcast about we work. If you want to, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a whole new documentary on Hulu about it. Oh, it's amazing. It's, it's wild. That shit is wild. Anyway, that was a big thing in Portland. I mean, mm -hmm. really big. They had three or four locations and they were full up. And but they were mostly full with people who were uh you know, white collar desk jockey types, right? Mm -hmm. The whole thing about it was you could get a desk so you didn't have to work from home in this building with other people, other professionals. And you had access to like a coffee bar and a, you know, a printer and internet and that kind of stuff. And we had this big room basically with just the two of us. I mean, like 3000 square feet <laughs> with two conference rooms and a kitchen and, you know, a big empty room. And we went, wow, what if we put some people in here, but <laughs> not white collar people? Like what if we put all the people that we work with or want to work with? So, we put illustrators, we put video game makers, we put uh, comic artists, we put um, uh, small companies that needed uh, that needed space, three to five people. And we just kind of started establishing rules like no one can be in here that is more that is more than five percent of the total group of people. You know, a desks are a license fee and it's fixed and that it's your desk. It's not a shared. That's just you. We're never going to have more than this many people in this room. We just looked at all these other share spaces and we went what would make people actually want to stay in a share space? Yeah. And, and we established that. And then we said, a lot of these people need each other. Cause we, the, the other thing that happened in Portland a lot was you'd have share spaces where you had all of the same person. So here's an entire collective of comic book artists. Mm -hmm. And while that's great, it also means you don't have any sort of, cross-pollination you've got a lot of people who are doing one art form and that's awesome because if you're deep within that art form you've got all these resources around you but what if you had a whole bunch of different kinds of people doing 
artistic type stuff. Mm -hmm. So when we filled the room like that, we would have uh, a programmer over on one side who is like working on a new app and he goes, God, I got to put this on the app store. I, I need a logo. Like I have no idea what to do. Yeah. And, and Meg and I were kind of the businessy hub of this, right? So somebody would come up to us and go, I need a logo. And I would, I would go, well, I, in this, literally in this room, there are two or three creators right now who I know have time in their schedule because we're helping them with it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Let me introduce you. And everybody knew everybody anyway. And that was maybe the first few months. And then after that, everyone just knew everyone. So if somebody needed something, they would just walk over and go, hey, here's the thing I want to pay you for. Here's the contract. Great. They would do the work and then walk back over to the other desk and hand it to them and then job done. So you had this unique situation where that was going on in in the room and and uh uh and then the pandemic happened and yeah. having all of those people so for Meg and I this became a business services situation right mm -hmm. so we're you know we're doing all the things we would normally do only now there's a lot more people asking us to do those things so everything Well hold on, let's let's back up a second sure. so I want to come at this from a different angle. Yeah, so, please. uh, what, what ha it's, I, cause I find it fascinating how crown kind of came to be because, and, and you can tell me if the history on this is wrong, No, but so three years ago is when my whole life got flipped upside down. And I, I I'm so fucking tired of talking. About <laughs> this. I can't even tell you, but needless to say, um, I ended up uh, becoming a primary caregiver giver to a parent and it, and it completely ate all my time and ability to produce. Yeah. And, and when, when basically when my work shut down, a big part of Corey's day shut down. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because absolutely. I mean, just, just absolutely. Um, and so Corey, you know, was, was obviously, uh, probably, you know, looking for work. And, and you have to also understand that, that all of this is happening. It's very emotionally charged. Everything is crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone on my side of the si side of things is, is, is doing two or three times all at once, trying to kind of incorporate this new situation into our lives. And meanwhile, Corey is just kind of left in the lurch. Yeah. And what, what I find interesting is that um, uh, is the way that Corey pivoted at that point into um, new revenues for himself and his family. And also as Corey always does for the, for everyone around him at the same time um, without ever making me feel like, uh, well, Scott, you blew it. I'm moving on and find a whoops, just bumped my mic and find found a way to incorporate me into it. And, and what's interesting is I remember that also Corey, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. And I don't know if you are okay talking about this, but you were doing work for Udon as well. Yeah. I was going to get to that because that was the first time where, so what, let's start at the beginning of this. Um, yeah, things went tits up for you in life, yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. And and obviously that affects my life, which then affects Meg's life, and it affects all right. these people, right? But all I did was the thing that we had always talked about doing, but mm -hmm. but that your company, Tune Down Studios, 
couldn't support uh, uh, with human resources or with finances or with uh, time and energy. Cause you know, there's like, you know, that triangle of like, you can have something fast or you can have yeah. something cheap or you good or you can, or you can be nice it, right? about it. Yeah. There's not the, all those things were broken down. So I just went, right. I just went, we're going to keep doing everything we're doing. And, and Scott will be a part of that. And everyone we work with will be a part of that, but we need to build this new foundation over here so that we can incorporate those people into it. Because if we don't, it's going to wreck Scott, Scott's business, which is a bad yeah. business move, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's so not Udon, a Udon is a publishing company uh, that does a lot of um, licensed uh, work, right? Yeah, they pri- do so primarily. So I've, I've known Eric Coe, the owner of Udon forever. Uh from when I was at Oni Press is when I first yeah. met him, and uh, he's for 22 years now. He's been wow. licensing primarily um, video game art books from Japan. So he started in toys, bringing toys over. Actually, all the original Star Trek toys he brought from overseas to America. That was his thing when he when he was mm-hmm. much younger. And he got into video game art books because in Japan, you go into a bookstore and you've got all these amazing resources on a shelf. For it's like, here's the art of the video game. Here's this, here's that. And that was a rarity in the US. So he started going like, what if I just got those, brought them over and translated them Mm -hmm. and made them available to people? So Mm -hmm. he started doing that. And he was one of many people that Scott, that you and I and other people have been talking to for years about, look, you got to get online. There's all these online resources. There's There's all these things you can do. And, you know, this is a drum... That, that the three of us in particular have been beating for years. Go listen to any old episode of Surviving Creativity from right. 2015. Yeah. And we're already... So when going- Eric... What's interesting, what I remember is Eric had... A, you had called me one day and said, Eric has approached us and really wants us to do a lot of stuff for them online with social media, really bring Udon into that space. He needed help. I, yeah. I, he needs help. I need help too. So I'm bringing on Meg who will primarily do, um, you know, help me with the Udon stuff. She would be like but, the account manager for Udon. Effectively. Right. right. But she can also help me with your stuff. And then my whole life blew up. So, um, what ended up coming out of that is Corey and Meg took that and really developed it. Um, in not only can we do this for Udon, and Scott, when he gets back on his feet, but who else do we know that we can do this for? Right. And it was so, um, so entrepreneurial, you know, entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that a word? Yes. I learned it as the week. entrepreneurs do. Yeah. And, and they really did such an amazing job, um, cultivating, uh, all the relationships they had in Portland and, um, when when and this was before the pandemic and then that grew into a physical space because the minute you start shipping things for people you need a lot of physical space yeah and you need a place where a big truck can back up and unload all that stuff and uh because a big portion of what we were doing even for you scott was kickstarters yeah and it was like what we were what we were doing is we were renting flex warehouse space Mm. so we were basically renting someone else's warehouse and and they would literally put tape on the floor of these mm-hmm. huge facilities and go, this box of tape is your box. Yeah. You're renting this right. box and you could bring stuff in and out of that box. And it, 
at some point. And if you needed more, they'd move the tape. And if yeah, you needed be, less, they'd move the tape. And and for anyone who is thinking about this kind of stuff, it's a great way to start. Just yeah. look up a flex warehouse. I promise you, if you're in a city, even in a small town, there's probably somebody with warehouse space who is like, God, please rent this square footage mm-hmm. from me. Uh, yeah, it, it, you know, it's... Ugh. Man, I'm so glad you said that because I don't know why my brain just kind of skipped over that part of it, but it was so it was so integral to what we were doing because we were Eric had emailed me and I think I had ignored it for a year. Mm-hmm. Like a full year because I just went, I love Eric, I want to help him. I just don't know like I don't have the time. There's no way. And he had emailed me back and I was like I knew Meg was maybe looking for a new job. She she was at a, a, an HOA at the time uh, that w- they were like running homeowners association. So she's really got her stuff together, right? Because to do that, and in my head I went, running an HOA is just like handling a bunch of artists. You got it. You got a bunch of <laughs> cranky people who you've got to deal with <laughs> on a daily basis. Yeah, it's the same thing. Uh, and I, I actually think that's how I talked her into it too. Uh, so she was willing to take this leap and leave her gig. And come work with with uh, Scott and I, and I would say that first year it was it was uh, the two of us in my bedroom office. At, I would sit at one end of the desk, and she would sit at the other end of the desk. And my you know, and all of my junk is in the corner. And we would just sit on our computers all day long, run back and forth to the flex warehouse uh, based on stuff that needed to be done. Um, Meg started doing all of the marketing promotion for Udon stuff, and then assisting me on any Scott stuff that that was needed and that was that was i skipped right over that that was the that was the year before we had the physical space right and it was when we it it was right around when when your life kind of blew up where we were like hey could we do this for more people and and we needed space the flex warehouse thing was just getting to like we were paying so much for flex warehouse we could just rent an office and then we were like what if we can find an office that has a dock (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, but not in a yeah, business and then, park because those are huge. And then you brought in, you started bringing in people from the area um, that would come in and set up on a desk. And they immediately um, became evangelists and protectors of that space mm-hmm. because they were getting more work done. Yeah. They were meeting different people. They were getting more work because you had brought in a diverse group. And they were finding synergy between each other. Well, and there was and selfishness I- on my part too. I'm not, I'm not some, you know, Mother Teresa. Like, if I have a room full of people, no. With- you even said to me, like, hey, by the way, we, if you know, when we get back on our feet, we have a cartoonist now here, and we have an animator, and we have someone developing software, and we have this person here. Yeah, I mean, I, I you had, know, I had a, a, a an amazing. She's still around. An amazing animation director in the mm-hmm. room. And I could go to them. We Scott and I did a few ad spots and stuff, and I could go to them at any time and be like, I need some info on this. Can you help me with that? And so, you know, it, it was benefiting everyone, but but the selfish aspect of it was that I had a room full of resources. And these were all people that I knew my personally or I knew tangentially that were in the Portland area that were all working from home or had been at a previous studio and had opted to start working from home for whatever reason, right? And at the beginning, I just said, just come work out of my space. I'm not going to charge you anything. And and I think in the end, um, I don't know that I ever went to anyone and went, I really got to start charging for this desk. I think for 90, I think for literally everyone, they came in, set up shop, 
would be there a week or two and would be like, where do I pay you? Yeah. Yeah. I'd never ask them for money. Mm -hmm. I would just, and at some point I'd be like, yeah, let's go. Sure. The last time, the last time I was there was kind of the, the heyday of it. You, you were even, you even had a group slack for the group. Yep. And you would have meetings where you'd sit down and discuss like, this is a good core group. How do we protect it? What rules do we want to set into place? And it was just, it was really just getting into swing. And then a global pandemic hit yep. that's, that basically said, hey, this thing you built, you don't get to do it anymore. Yeah. yeah. And Because everyone's getting sick. We had just picked up two or three new people. Uh, so what happens? Amazing. So what happens at that point? Because you're because Crown is still around. Yeah. Yeah. But we, so we, how did the pandemic change what you do? Uh, so th- this was our experience, Meg and I. We went from. I think we had at peak, we had between 17 and 20 people in the room at any time. And they were, we had two small businesses. We had a bunch of different people from different fields. They, and these were people that were in, they, they had desk leases. So they weren't subletting from us. They had basically, they had permission to be in the room. Mm-hmm. Right. And we were working with them on various projects. They were working on their own projects. There was all, everything was working, all the pollination, all the crossover. It was, it really was. An amazing and interesting business model. By then, Meg and I also had effectively people who we had to start calling clients, which was never a plan. But now we're in a situation where it's like, man, now I guess we kind of have a business model of helping people (laughs) that basically everything we had done for Scott, we're able to do for other people because now there's more of us. We can spread the workout, right? That mainly being... Social media management, right. Kickstarter it's, running. It fulfillment. started with a lot of social media management and and uh, e-commerce and Kickstarter running, right? Running of the shops. And and then the pandemic happened. So it was, I think, one week we went from an, a full room to empty. Mm. And I mean empty. It's just Meg and I in this giant space. Because part of the reason why was because we were in a building called the Ford Building, historic building in Portland. And the building itself was like, we're shut down. Yeah. Like closed. You can come in. If you were renting space in here, you can come in. But we felt uncomfortable having, and to our, to our great fortune, everyone in the space was like, Hey, I got a home office. I'll work from home until this sorts itself out. Yeah. Cause every, at the yeah. time we all remembered right. H1N1 and we thought eh, a few months, yeah. it'll be in hand. Yeah. We'll all come back. Here's the, here's the buck wild thing to me. No one stopped paying for their desk. Wow. Oh, wow. And I mean, four months in, no, no one stopped paying for their desk. Mm. And, and four, four or five months in, I, I started going in and turning people off. I yeah. was like, listen, <laughs> when this is over, we'll all come back together. Right. I am not going to continue taking your money. And they, the, the common response was, but I really want Crown to succeed. I've never been so productive. I love the space. I love all the people there. We have such a good community. The name Crown came from the group. I didn't pick it. Mm-hmm. It was like a community. It was a communal thing. It, it like, Tell them what it means. <laughs> it's a secret. Uh, oh, it is? Well, I didn't no, know that. There's a story to it. I'll get to that story in a minute. But it, it, I really had to tell people like, look, we'll come back. Yeah. You know, when this is in hand, we'll come back. And then there was a 3,000 square foot room with 20 desks in it and Meg and I. Wow. And a warehouse and two conference rooms and emptiness. Mm. And and that was scary, Corey. Oh, that was a scary time. Yeah. Yeah, brother. Because listen, the, the building didn't give a shit. We mm-hmm. had to pay rent. Right. They want their money one way or the <laughs> right? other. Yeah. 
So we there there were a few months where I was like dipping into savings, calling my mom and dad. <laughs> like, listen, not for nothing, but if I have to hit you up for six or seven grand to pay rent, otherwise, uh, you know, I don't know what to do. And this is before states had it together. So there was no rule saying that the building couldn't foreclose on me. Mm-hmm. The, the building couldn't go like, you know, we're, we're booted. Your credit is wrecked. Um, PPP loans came around. I got a whole story about that too. Yeah. Uh, but that's that uh, we'll get to that later. Um, but you know, there was no help coming. There was no assistance whatsoever. And then something truly amazing happened. As you guys know, I've spent uh, a decade of my life trying to get people into new technology, trying to get people online, trying to get individuals and companies to do this stuff. And, and the response typically was, look, I go to cons. I don't need it. Yeah. Or look, (laughs) we're in brick and mortar stores. We make a ton of money. You're all you're suggesting is that we do extra work. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, this is like to now it sounds so basic, but we were like, just have an e-commerce, just set up a Shopify store. Let us set up and run a Shopify store for you. That was the pitch effectively. Just let me set up a Shopify store and run it. That was all we had said to people. And they were like, no, I don't really need it. I don't want to deal with customer service. I don't want to deal with shipping. I don't want to deal with all that. And it was like, no, you don't understand. We'll run it. And this was pre-pandemic. We were saying this for years. And no, 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 no. I would say four or five weeks after everybody locks down, that's when I got my first email of somebody going like, Hey, three or four years ago, we met at a convention and you were like, have you ever thought about going online? Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. And I, we now run, it's been, you know, a year, it's been 14 months of this. One, two, three, yeah, four, been. five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. I have 12 Shopify stores that are under our tutelage right now. We run them. Including mine? Yep. Wow. We run them soup to nuts. Mm. So you have a new product, you you send us the idea even. So what, what we ended up doing, the pivot for us was we came out of the, these creators are doing the majority of their stuff and we got into the world of, we do the entire vertical now. If you have an idea on a napkin, I can take that from your idea to R&D, to a manufacturer, to the logistics of getting it to whatever country it needs to be in, to mm-hmm. a warehouse who will fulfill it, to my warehouse, then into distribution to a retailer and out to a customer through brick and mortar. Or the other branch is to ignore the distro entirely and have the consumer buy direct from your store. Right. Coupled with, uh, I have a whole marketing department now. There are now five people at my company. And... They are just like taking photos of products uh, and running ads on Facebook and Instagram and and on Google ads and all these places and like, you know, running, starting little communities and, you know, firing up Kickstarters and all that. We have uh, just this year on the schedule already, we have over 20 Kickstarters and fulfillments. We're pushing 50. We're turning down more clients than not. Uh, My website barely functions. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for crown studios. Um, it, the, the only thing that it says on there is creative solutions for creative people. <laughs> and, ev- and every, every person that comes to us is a recommendation from somebody we've worked with. And I would say we turned down 
50 to 60% of the people who come to us because what we did internally is we said, look, everyone kind of, you know, we want everyone to own this. If they, whether they do illegally or not, we want them to feel ownership over this. So when a new project comes in on Fridays, we have our little group meeting and we all sit down and people go like, Hey, I talked to this person because anybody can approach anybody. Here's the product. Here's the idea. And then as a group, we go, that sounds cool. Or no, we don't really want to work on that because we're overwhelmed right now. And, and this is what's interesting to me about the pandemic is had it not been for the pandemic, had it not been for this time and place, being a business guy, as work came in, I would have scaled. Mm -hmm. So I would have just kept hiring employees, kept buying machinery to do fulfillment. I would just would have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Instead, because I couldn't do that, mm -hmm. what, what we did was we just started separating the wheat from the chaff and going, that's a cool project or that project would make us a lot of money, but I don't really want to work on it. Yeah. And we don't have hmm. the manpower anyway. So, and we could just say to the person, like, look, we don't have to turn them down in a mean way. We right. can be like, look, we can't hire people to do your fulfillment right now, which is true. Uh, and then we had the other fortune of internally, if you work at with us because of restrictions, you have to agree. Uh, and, and this is not for artists. These are people that actually work for me that are sitting at desks or packing boxes, which everybody does both things, right? You have to agree to live a certain kind of lifestyle. Yeah. And I looked this up because we can legally ask this. You got to agree to like get your groceries delivered or do pickups outside. Mm -hmm. You got to agree that you're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to break the bubble. Yeah. In, oh. in, in the office, you can only be at, with your friends, not with your friends, with your family at home or in the office. That is it. And in the office, you got to stay 10 feet away from everybody, even when we're packing boxes, which is harder than it sounds. Yeah, I'll bet it is. And you've got to wear a mask 24-7. Yeah. And you know, legally I can ask that of people. And if they say no, and they work for me, my option is to give them a way in which to work where they don't have to abide by those rules. And if I can't do that, then I can let them go. Yeah. Fortunately, every person who we work with is like, yes, please let's do this. <laughs> this is very serious. And I don't want to lose my job, you know, but, but less, I don't want to lose my job and more. I don't want anybody that I work with to get hurt. Right. Yeah, so we've been we've been very fortunate in that regard, but we pivoted really hard into uh, product fulfillment, product manufacturing, um, you know, uh, online like online consumerism, essentially brick and mortar stores are gone. They're gone. Yeah, they're coming back. But you have to understand that for a lot of people gone conventions, done, not gone. A thing, done. gone. So if you're an artist who's who's was making 20, 30, $40,000 a year going to 12 conventions a year, netting two to three grand at every convention. That's over yes. right now. Yes, it is. It'll come back, but it, but right now it's over. And the, the interesting thing to me is a lot of the people we work with, they're looking at the numbers coming in and are they as good as conventions? Not usually, but they're, it's the same amount of money more spread out over the year, over a longer period of time. Yeah. What's wild is, they don't have to, they can go back to conventions and they don't have to do anything. That revenue source is still there. It's exactly what we had predicted previously yeah. where we went, you should really just be online. Yeah. Um, and again, it was like in early on the disbelief of, but how do you guys make money? It's like, well, we, <laughs> we make money when you make money. Mm -hmm. So we set up a whole thing where you don't have to pay us up front. 
You don't have to do anything. Since we're only going to do projects we believe in, we believe we'll make our money on the back end. Yeah. And and if we fail, well, then we didn't make any money. And so we that makes us extra picky about our projects too, because if we can't make if we can't make enough money on it to pay everybody's salary at the end of the month, we're screwed. Yeah. Um. And you know. And now we've got. Uh, we're, we're capping out at 15 clients. We just decided internally, we're not going to go any more than that. We're capping out at 50 Kickstarter fulfillments for the year. We're capping out at 30 Kickstarters that we run soup to nuts. Um, we are moving, we're moving. I'm very sad. We're losing our current space, but we were in a, uh, 2,600 effectively to 3000 square foot space. We're moving into a almost 10,000 square foot, hmm. 40 foot high ceiling warehouse office combination with four docks Yes, um, where I can receive 54 foot trucks in a really cool office complex. Um, you know, maybe someone would want to come and work there after the fact, but <laughs> yeah, after the pandemic, maybe we get everything back. Uh, yeah, I doubt it. I mean, I, I think we've pivoted so hard into this new realm and yeah, it's, uh, I miss what we were doing, but I also know that I am now a greater resource to the people I was working with previously than I have ever been before. Mm-hmm. I can offer so much more than when we all had desks in a room. Uh, and I, you know, I'm just really excited about it. I can do all the things, everything we, all the work we've done with Scott, we can keep doing and we can do it for 10 other people. Yeah. Which is why. And it runs tons. It runs a lot smoother now too. Well, yeah, because there's so many more bodies, you know, and, stuff comes and, in. and it's way more effective. My last month of online sales with just one product. One, and it's, yeah, one skew. And it's a good skew. Don't get me wrong. Yep. We got real lucky with it. The adventure journal mm-hmm. is, is more than I've ever made in a month. Yeah. Normally, and that's net. That's after Crown takes their fees, and it's because they have. Yeah, you know, it's it's fascinating to me. It's a real success story of the pandemic that I want people to know about. Yeah, yeah, and it, you know what's funny is our relationship hasn't changed all that much. No, I I wish we talked more, but I think that I think we I know. Would, I think we would be there. I mean, previously it was like just the two of us. So we'd just be on discord all day shooting the shit. Right. Right. Um, you know, now it's like, I've got meetings, I've got time, even finding time to do this, to do this recording. It was like, I right. carve out two, three hours of my day. Holy. Exactly. How am I yeah. going to do that? Um, you know, and I, and I think that's balancing out and, and, uh, you know, now my entire team now, because CDC after 14 months decided that people who pack boxes are frontline workers, so we were finally able to get our first shot. Everybody's got shot one. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, we're going to have shot two soon, which means we can start hiring soon, which is great, uh, you know, because we need to. We need. I, I need two to three more bodies, and I needed them six months ago. Yeah. Right now, everybody's doing extra jobs. And we yeah. have some people who can work from home, some people who can't. Um, we're filling bare minimum every day, h- hundreds of orders daily. Most days... Upwards of a thousand packages leave my tiny little office every single day it, without fail. Mm-hmm. Saturdays and Sundays, we tend to not work. We try to tell people don't work, yeah. which then just makes Mondays a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> order, online orders don't stop. We're, and yeah. we're trying to find a way around that. We're like, are some people going to work Tuesday to Saturday? Yeah. And are some people going to work Monday to Friday? Or, and are some people going to work Wednesday to Sunday? Because the orders don't stop. Yeah. And the, and the customers 
we handle that most people's customer service as well. So if we don't get the job done, it's more work for us. Yes. Right. So it's like managing that is a thing, but it, um, it was an, we had no intention, Meg and I, of running the company that we're running right now. (laughs) Yeah. Just kind of developed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was pivot out of necessity. Yes. And then that started growing and then we pivoted a little bit more. And then that's, and it, it, you just keep pivoting into the growth. And but now, it was also, it was also preparedness meets opportunity. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I, I believe that. Which 100%. is something that we've always preached guys. Yeah. It, it's any, anybody that would call what happened to us luck. Uh, and anyone that calls anything luck, all luck is, is preparedness meets opportunity. It's yeah. for, for over a decade, I've been talking to people about this. Mm-hmm. That's the preparedness. Well, yeah. The opportunity the, the weirdly, the opportunity was the pandemic because yeah. when, when, you know, when we started with Udon, no interest in an online store, none. <laughs> we did a, we did a pop-up shop at Christmas time where Udon would sell what was left from convention exclusives. Mm-hmm. They, Udon, we, Udon was making so much money at conventions that they had no interest in online stores. They're like, look, all of our stuff is sold through Amazon. All of our stuff is sold at Barnes and Noble, at at GameStop, at like, mm-hmm. why would we do it? It doesn't make any sense. It's a ton of extra work, plus the cost of warehousing, plus the cost of fulfillment, plus that like, w- why? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And cue the pandemic. Yeah. And now it's like, I mean, these guys went from. And you don't think that when stores open up and conventions open up again, they'll abandon the online stuff? No, you know, it's interesting. I have a fear of that, but my thought is what we were preaching previously is still going to be true. Mm-hmm. It's just another revenue source. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so now you've got this beat. online sales. It's a, for, from their standpoint, it's almost a passive yeah. revenue source, and it's hard to beat a passive well, revenue source. It, it is literally a passive revenue yeah. source because for nine times out of 10, the people we work with, they don't have to do anything. Right. They, you yeah. know, you can work. We, we have one of the things that we set up early on and we've probably talked about this on the show. And, and this was part of when I started going independent, this was a big pitch for me in my head is like, somebody should be offering this. Our services are effectively a la carte. Some of the people we work with, they literally, they're like, look, I've got this on lock. I just need you to get packages out the door in a timely fashion. That's it. Mm -hmm. I can do the rest. I can do the manufacturing. I can do the promotion. I can do, I can, I can get it to retail, whatever. I mean, that's effectively that's Udon, right? They're like, look, if you want to run an online store, fine. It just has to make money and it's got to go out. And I don't want to deal with cranky customers and that kind of thing. And I think when, when all the brick and mortar comes back, when the conventions come back, all this is, is just an extra revenue source that is just there. You got people who want to buy directly from the artist. You've got people who want to buy directly from the company and you can incentivize them to do that. Mm-hmm. Hey, here is an exclusive that you can only get on my store. Yeah. It's exactly the same as the other thing with a different cover. It's just like this other thing with a, with an added bonus. Hey, buy it for me, all free shipping. Yeah. Like you can eat the shipping on most products and the fulfillment cost to my company on most products and still make more money than if you sold it through distribution. Oh, of course. Without fail. Yeah. Because you yeah. you enter the world of distro, you're Easily. getting you're getting top 40% of the value of the cover value of that product. Yeah. 
at, at most. So you can sell the thing yourself and take a 60% hit before you actually <laughs> yeah. equal out distribution because distribution's a big chain. There's a lot of people, a lot of things got to move in order to get stuff there. So, yeah, I mean, I think post-pandemic, I, I honestly, I, we might lose some people because it's one more thing and they don't want to have to deal with it. But I really believe that people are just going to go like, hey, man, just keep doing what you're doing. Yep. Are, yeah. You know, are, and it's going to be a while before things spin up again anyway. Well, and what was interesting to me is Amazon didn't go away. Mm -hmm. They slowed down a little bit at the beginning, but <laughs> you can still, most of the stuff we sell for most of the creators we sell it for. Well, that's not true because a lot of the creators we sell it for, they don't have like Amazon accounts or whatever. Yeah. Right. But a lot of the stuff that, that we're selling on people's show, on people's stores for them, you could go buy an Amazon for 30% cheaper mm -hmm. and get free shipping without fail. Yeah. True. People don't, people don't do it. They go directly to the source to get the thing. And that I, I mean, look, that why not? Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Why wouldn't you want to support the company you love or the creator you love or the product you love? In some cases, people are doing it for the product too. Um, yeah, it's wild. It's it, It's been – I have so many stories from the last – from the last 14 months in particular – um, yeah, and and I plan to come back to you guys individually as the show goes on, and we'll get into more detail on it. I just kind of wanted to catch everyone up on this kind of inaugural return show, let everyone know where, where we where ended we've up been for three years. Yeah, <laughs> and that clicking of toenails on hardwood floor are my dogs indicating to me that I've been neglecting recording them. this for too long. <laughs> <laughs> and I also have some overnight cooked oatmeal sitting in a slow cooker. Mm, Got to do it. Just waiting for me to have a big old bowl of oatmeal. Nice. Well, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, you got you got two episodes here. I mean, you're done for two weeks, easy. <laughs> I'm going to edit this into one. <laughs> you should. Uh, well, you I know, you know what I'm going to tell you, Scott. Take those outtakes; those are Patreon exclusives. <laughs> oh, I will believe me. I'll put uh, them in there. You you realize, Scott? We didn't get to talk to you about what you've been doing. For yeah. Us. So we're going to have. I mean, to you can. Again, so we're going to have. Yeah, we can. I mean, that's true. All right. Well, then we'll follow up with that later. Yeah, yeah we can do that. That will there. be a future episode. You guys can interview me. And that, that's an excuse to get the gang back together again. I have a question for you as well with regards to the show. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you don't have to put this in. And this is just, this is literally, I just have a question like, yeah. can we record people? Because I work with a lot of people that would be interesting. I'd love to that. Just take 30 or 40 minutes and talk to them. And then hey, you want to do it. Yeah. Send the me the files and then you throw me the uh, file. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would, the, the, the wide, wide world of. I thought I understood crowdfunding and I thought I understood online marketing and advertising pre pandemic. But now that yeah. I'm buried in this shit, it oh, is, yeah. it's wild, man. Like it's, it's wild. It's wild. It's only going to get weirder too. Uh, the pandemic, big companies, again, we're getting into NDA territory, <laughs> big companies after about five or six months started going oh shit what do we do of course then there were ppp loans and they all got to buy their stocks back and fire their employees so it was no big deal but uh yeah we got denied 
I'll have to tell you those stories another day. We got denied PPP loans the first time. The second time, it was supposed to be small business PPP loans. We had to change the way our business operated in order to qualify for one. Mm. Uh, I now qualify for about $2,200. Yay! (laughs) Enough to pay one box packer one month's salary. Yeah. For, yeah. Yeah, we were just straight up denied, and I gave up. Yeah, I, I we work with a couple of uh, individual. The system is very strange. We work with a couple of individual creators who got uh, a large five figure sums. Who is just a sole person, just one person. Wow. And yeah, but Tom Brady really got helped out. <laughs> it's weird. the The system. I don't know that there. There's not a good way to. Uh, uh, set a standard to, uh, you know, American entrepreneurship and say like, you are this value and you are that value. And sadly, because a lot of American companies or corporations yeah. you see exactly what you see, you, you know, you give a bunch of money to the airline industry to, to bail them out. They literally fired all their employees and then bought all their stocks back and, yeah. and to them. And then the country went, wait, you can't do that. And they said, no, actually we can. It just means we have to pay the loan back, which is fine. We're huge corporations. We don't care. The, the 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 PPP was a, a forgiveness loan if you used the loan yeah. to pay for – to keep your employees. employees. If you didn't use the loan to pay for your employees, all that meant was you got to pay it back. Yeah. That's it. It just meant <laughs> – so you have to pay it back with interest. So the government's kind of like, well – Are you saying a large corporation found a loophole? <laughs> it's, it wasn't, it wasn't even a loophole, bud. Wasn't Shocking. even was not even no. A it was a whole hole. It was a it was an entire hole. It, it was, was just a hole. <laughs> there was no loop involved. <laughs> Tell us about holes. You have to loop around. They just <laughs> fell in now it. Now we brought this conversation full circle. <laughs> full circle. Oh God, we we didn't use it for employees. Now what do we do? Oh, it says here we can just pay back the loan. Oh, thank Christ. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll just wait for the pandemic to end and we'll pay it back. Yeah. It's no big deal. So yeah. let's lay everybody off. Fuck me. Yeah. It was wild, man. And then the companies, I, I know several companies who really could have used it yeah. and just denied. Yeah. Or, or or denied or told, like, enjoy your $7,000. And it's like, okay, well, I can pay two of my people for one month. Thanks. Yeah. Like, that's not going to cut it. Um, yeah. <clears throat> well, all right, boys. You should cut all that in shit. That's just us. That's yeah, just us talking. Yeah. But let's do a quick wrap up. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> Listen, I will tell you. I miss you guys. I, I miss you too. We gotta, we gotta do this more often. Uh, I know for a fact mm. in the old surviving creativity folder, mm-hmm. Brad Geiger secretly contacted our wives. Yes, I did. Because I found these files <gasps> a few months ago. What? I found these files a few months ago, and I was like, "What the hell this are these?" Gonna be... And I started to listen to one, and I went, "Whoa, I need to stop." Because I, I, this is a Brad thing. This was going to be I my think he, you were greatest doing the match moment, game, weren't you? I I contacted both of your wives. I was. You remember how we used to do a game show at the end of the of the episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We going to, and I started that because we needed a way out because of what just yeah. happened. Where yeah, we yeah. go? All right, see you later. We were going to do the newlywed game, and I was going to ask you was, questions, the and then I had your wives already recorded answers to the question. And then I could just. You recorded Angela? Yes. Yeah. 
And Angie, I told them, Angie I told them don't say anything to your husbands. It's got to be a secret. No. Oh, my God. Are day, you kidding me? To this day, it's been three fucking years. Yeah. My wife has not said anything about this. I stumbled across a file and was like, <laughs> what is this? And, start, and hit play. And it's Brad asking. I think it was Brad asking Angie a question. Yeah. And immediately I went. That motherfucker is doing the newlywed okay, game. This is going to for sure be a Patreon I exclusive. Yeah, I got to go find the it's file. It's all lost to the sands of time. I don't remember yeah. the, the questions. I what? Well, I'll find the files so that you can listen to the, because you asked them the question too. Oh, okay. All right. So you, so you asked them the question and then they answered. So then you could find those files and then you could ask us the question. When, when we, when you get the time, there's no rush, but we've got to do that game. <laughs> it's oh, going to be I, a little I bit agree. more complicated now that we're not on Zencaster because we can't play those drops. We can't play the, but yeah, but we could edit yeah. it. We can edit it. We could do it, it on Zencaster. It'll, it'll, no, but we uh, could do it here too. It'll you take could just, some editing. You could just play it. It just won't record it. Yeah, yeah we'll just have to edit yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, my I had God. A, I had a whole newlywed game all set up, and yeah. then we never recorded another episode. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> just sat there. <laughs> wow, no. That would have oh, been amazing. And that, to me, that's the interesting thing is like, I don't think people understand how we stopped there was no conversation of like no hey do you maybe we should put this on hold there was no it was literally just like that everybody was busy next yeah. week everybody's busy next week everybody's busy next week everybody's busy next week well nobody april 2018 i was stranded in dallas that's right that's right with when your father dad broke. who had had a second stroke yeah. in as many months yep and i and i was on a second round of outpatient physical therapy in the hopes he could get cleared to fly to Seattle. Yeah. yeah. And just so I could return home and start work again. And Meg and I were scrambling to figure out what to do because you were, yeah. you were MIA. I was not available. Brad was deep in smut territory. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Brad's over there. What dick for everyone and an extra one for the ear. <laughs> Hey, 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 it's Scotty K. Thank you so much for joining us. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, as well as outtakes and other special features, please consider becoming a patron. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash surviving creativity and sign up there. If you like what you heard, let a friend know about us. And if you leave us a five star review somewhere, we might even read it on our next show. Surviving Creativity is a Toonhound Studios production. Our associate producers are Todd Shoemaker, Ryan King, K.R. Hinton, Jonathan Small, Ryan Fisher, John Sanford, Dale Richardson, Bob Glasscock, Chris Beverick, and I Need to Make This Reward Tier More Expensive. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Surviving Creativity. <laughs>